Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast again. This is the Portable Pastor, Big Mike Stafford, coming to you from First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. We're going to do something a little bit different today. If you're at home listening or you're in your truck and you have some juice and some crackers, get that because I want us to observe the Lord's Supper together over podcasts. This will be a little bit different, but some of you, uh, you will appreciate this. So we're going to get to that a little bit later on. We're still studying our um, eschatology. We are looking at the end times, and today we want to look at the judgments. So take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 20 once again, as we're going to look at some of the events of the end times. So far in this series, we have examined the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, and the millennial kingdom. And I've challenged you for four weeks now to be to be thankful since we know that we are going to be saved. I've challenged you for at least four weeks to breathe easy, knowing that we, the, the global church, we will be with Jesus during all of the events of the end times. I mean, think about it. We'll be raptured by him at the beginning of the end times. We'll be with him in heaven during the great tribulation will be behind him when he returns to earth to conquer it and we will reign with him uh, in his millennial kingdom. Be thankful and breathe easy, church. Uh, You're not going to be alone. So last week, we learned that the millennial kingdom must take place because of the promises that God made to Jesus, to, to humanity, to the nation of Israel, to the church, and to the rest of creation. We learned that there will be people with unglorified bodies living in the world during this time. Those who knew and served Jesus and were saved through the tribulation will be the children, will will have children during those thousand years. And many of those children will not share in the passions of Christ. It's amazing to think that some people will still not follow him during his earthly kingdom, but that's, that's the nature of, of the flesh, I guess. With, with peace, the population of the earth is going to grow immensely, it's immensely during this time. Those who are, who are the sons and daughters of the first inhabitants of the kingdom, uh, they're going to be born by natural means, which means that they still have natural tendencies. They're all going to be, it's going to be present in all of them, just like it is in all of us since the fall. So, weirdly enough, although this kingdom will be ruled by Christ, it it will still be a kingdom in this world. And by that, I mean the sinful influences will remain. Their sinful tendencies will have to be dealt with, just like every other human who has ever lived. And we see this in Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse 7 and following with me. And when the thousand years are ended... Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. 
And the devil who made them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur uh, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Look, at the end of this thousand years, Satan's going to be released and he's going to deceive man one more time. Now, how is this possible, you ask? Isn't Christ on the earth? Yes, he is. He is, but people will be deceived because people who were born in that time will still have a sinful flesh. Remember that, that God promised a lot of things that must take place before the end. This includes the, the promise to deal with the sin of, of all people. There, there will still be a wage for sin. That wage is death. So to bring fully into the open this sin, Satan will be released to bring, to, to, to bring this into a full realization, right? And so Satan will once again be allowed to deceive and destroy and, and he'll bring together all the lost people remaining on the earth. He, he will assemble them for one last showdown with Christ on the land outside of Israel. Now, he mentions Gog and Magog again. Those, those are names used to describe this army and many other evil armies. Magog was the, was the grandson of Noah who founded the kingdom of Magog, and he led its evil army. So that name Magog and the accompanying name Gog are used to describe that uh, any evil army led by an evil man. So they will, they will march on Israel and be defeated by God with flames of fire. They're going to come f- just falling out of heaven. And the devil will finally be thrown into the lake of fire where the Antichrist and the false prophet already are. They're already in torment there. And that's the last time that we will ever hear about them or from them again. But what about the destiny of man? Well, the rest of our time today, I would like to talk with you about the two judgments that are mentioned in Scripture. The great white throne judgment and the bema seat judgment of Christ are, are both mentioned in Scripture and have been debated over for, for centuries. I, I believe that these are two different judgments. And so, uh, I want to look at the first judgment, the great white throne judgment that that happens to be in this same passage, Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse 11 and following. And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it and from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I have to tell you, this is a terrifying passage. Thrones are mentioned over 50 times in Revelation, but this one's very different. This throne is is white. It represents the the purity of God, and it's called great, not because it's a huge throne, although it might be. It's called great because of the the overwhelming task that's set before it. On this throne sits the Trinitarian God in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the throne. How do I know this? Well, listen to Jesus' words in John 5, 22. For the Father judges no one, but is given all judgment to the Son. 
Oh, think about it. How terrifying would it be to be judged by someone that you've rejected? Those Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Israelites who actually crucified Christ will stand before him in judgment. Oh, how terrifying that must be. And if that's not scary enough, the judgment takes place. You had to put on your thinking caps here. The judgment takes place in utter nothingness because the universe will have suddenly disappeared. Second Peter 3.10 tells us the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Wow, and that, that verse echoes what we just read in Revelation twenty eleven. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. Understand, at that second, there will be no place to go there is no place. There will be no shadows, no corners, no hiding places at all. There will be no excuses. There will be no devil to blame things on. Time, catch this, time won't even exist. Everything that ever happened will have just happened is what it will seem like. The situation will be people standing before God unable to conceal anything. Well, who will be there? There are, there are some theologians who believe that this judgment and the Bema Seed judgment of Christ are the same judgment. I don't personally hold, personally hold to that, that teaching. I, I cannot believe that. The main reason I, I cannot believe it is because of what the other scripture passages tell us. Listen to John 5.24. This is Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What about John 3.18? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. How about Romans 8.1? There's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I think there's a reason that this judgment takes place after what Jesus himself refers to as the resurrection of condemnation. Now listen to this. Listen to John 5.25. Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, 25 and following, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he, he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Now listen to this, verse 20, 29, and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That last word, judgment, is where we get our word uh, condemnation, or damnation, actually. Evidently, there's two resurrections. One resurrection is for believers and one is for unbelievers. The great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. It's preceded by the second resurrection, the resurrection of the dead and those who are condemned. We will not receive this judgment. We will not even be there. So all the unrighteous dead will, will come back to life and they'll stand in complete, complete disclosure before God. For the books will be opened. Books is a plural word. There's more than one book. Maybe these books will include the Old Testament laws. Maybe they will include the books containing all of the action and the thoughts of man. These books will definitely include the Lamb's Book of Life. 
But anyway, all of these books will be opened and tell the whole story. Nothing will be hidden. Nothing will be left to guess. And while they're standing there in complete vulnerability, the things that that held them captive until now, death and Hades, will, will be thrown into the lake of fire. And after that, the judgment. And they too, these unbelievers who are standing before God because of their own recorded sin and because of the absence of their names in the book of life, they will be thrown into the lake of fire. And this will be the end of of their existence with anything that's good. They will forever be apart from God in anything that is good. Well, is is there a judgment for Christians? Yeah, there's a judgment for us too. There are two judgments, remember? One takes place after the resurrection of life and one after the resurrection of death. This judgment of Christ is, it's, for Christians, is quite a different judgment. It's called uh, the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. And it will most likely take place sometime after the rapture and before the end of the millennial kingdom. But we just don't know enough information about that. But we know some. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5.10. Paul is, Paul's writing to Christians here. He's telling them that there will be a time when, when they will answer to Jesus for the lives they lived. Listen to what he says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what we call the beam of seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now this is echoed again in his writings to the Romans. In Romans 14, 12, each of us will give an account of himself to God. So this must be a very different accounting to Christ. This setting and procedures are very different from the great white throne. Read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, 12 through 15. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has been if what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet be saved even though as one escaping through the flames. This tells us that this judgment is for Christians. Salvation is already settled. All of the sins are forgiven. There's no longer any condemnation for us. This judgment is to be seen as a judgment of rewards. Yeah, now sin is going to come up but only as it cost us our rewards. There's no penalty for that. Christ took the penalty for that sin on the cross. Well, what are these rewards? Well, I know there are, there are crowns mentioned several places in the New Testament, and I know that we'll also, I mean, no doubt be judged by how well we obeyed the Great Commission, how well we loved God and loved people, how, how we controlled our bodies and our tongues, and, and how well we overcame sin. There, there will be rewards and loss of rewards. We will suffer some loss for some of the things that were done in the flesh or not done in the flesh while we had flesh. There will be rewards and there will be loss for there, but salvation is secure. This is a very different, very di- different judgment scene. So those are the two judgments, one for Christians, one for non-Christians. Although both are presided over by Christ, they, they couldn't be more different. 
They're in a different time. They're in a different setting, different outcome, different severity. Now, knowing this, knowing this now, how, how should we respond? What, what do you think we should do in light of this? This should cause you to have the same reaction that I've been telling you about this entire series. Be thankful and breathe easy. Be thankful. Aren't aren't you thankful that Jesus saved you? You should be thankful that the one who loved you enough to die and save you is the same one who is seated on the throne. The same one who's crazy about you is the one who will judge you and reward you. Be thankful there's no more condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. All we have to do to be thankful is remember. Just remember. So let's remember now what he's done for us. If you have the the crackers and the juice, please uh, take those now. We're going to do this together. If not, just pray and symbolically go through this uh, with me. Let's observe the Lord's Supper together. Now, this is an ordinance of the church that has been practiced over 2,000 years now. Christ set this up for us. He set this up so that we can remember what he did to save us. It's commended in the scriptures that only believers should do this. So if you don't have to be a member of a, a local church, but you do have to be a Christian who's committed your life to Christ to observe this special ordinance. The scripture's clear. To do this in vain without belonging to him, it's a very dangerous thing. So you may need to explain to your children if they're listening that this is something that they can do later when they better understand. Well, let's let's take a moment and prepare our hearts to receive the communion. So pray with me. God, reveal to us now the things that you're displeased with in our lives. We don't want that to have any divisive effect on our relationship. So God, I'm asking you to forgive our sins, cleanse us, restore us, create in us a clean heart and help us to do this with a full right heart today. We remember what you've done. So I ask that you would help us to take this serious enough to deal with the sin in our lives. Now just confess your sin to Christ for just a moment. Father, we confess these things to you and we're begging for your forgiveness. Cleanse us now in Christ's name. Amen. If you would take the uh, take the the cracker, Jesus was with the disciples when he took the bread and he thanked God for it. So let's thank God for it. God, thank you for the symbolic bread that you've given us that symbolizes the breaking of your body for us. Amen. Then Jesus gave it to his disciples and he said, "This is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me." Eat the cracker now. Then Jesus took a cup of wine and he told his disciples, as often as you drink this, remember me. Pray with me. Father, we remember the blood of your son that was spilt that cleanses us from our sin. We revel in that. Thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Please drink the juice. Well, thank you for remembering that with me. That's very important. Now, let me ask you just a couple of questions. Can you honestly be thankful to Christ? Now, this is a serious question. Can you honestly be thankful to Christ for what he did in you? 
Can you can you be honestly thank him for saving you from wrath? Can can you honestly breathe easy about the coming days? I mean, seriously, is it settled in your heart and your mind, or are you scared to death thinking about eternity? If you don't have a peace about this, we need to deal with it right now because you can honestly, truthfully be of that peaceful mindset today. Friend, you can you can belong to Christ today. Today can be the day of your salvation. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe and believe that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe he died on the cross to pay a penalty for your sin? Do you believe he's offering you a gift of salvation? Will you trust in him and give him your whole life? Today's the day to do this. And now will you confess it with your mouth? Just repeat after me out loud right there where you are. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed up. But you said that Christ took my place. He took my penalty. And if I would just confess you as Lord, if I would believe in that, I can be saved. I'm doing that right now, God. Please save me. Please save me, God. I want to be in your book. I want to be in heaven and eternity with you. I receive the gift. Please forgive my sins and come into my life. Be Lord of my life. And I will live for the glory of your name. In Christ's name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are no longer a citizen of of the resurrection of the condemned. You are now a citizen of the resurrection of those who are living. You will stand before the Bema seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment of Christ. You are in. You need to tell someone this and warn others of, of their place. Do this now. And you can start by telling me if you like. Just a simple email to mike at fbcclover.com. Mike, I prayed and received Christ today. That's it. And I will I will pray for you. I will pray for you. If you have questions, uh, put it in that email. And if I don't know it, I'll research. I promise. I want to help you. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. And next week, we're going to finish this series up with the new heaven and the new earth. And I am so pumped about this. Honestly, I don't know a lot about it. Uh, how, how can we? How can we even imagine a new heaven and a new earth? But it's going to be exciting to hear about it. So tune in again next week for another podcast. Until then, have a great week. Uh, email me if you need me. And remember, God is pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.